If you're just thinking about the content rather than how it fits into your business, you will almost certainly be missing out on sales. You're listening to the Courageous Content Podcast. I'm Janet Murray, and I love helping coaches, creatives, and entrepreneurs create super engaging content that generates leads and sales for their businesses. No one starts a business and just knows how to create engaging content. It's a skill that has to be learned and practiced. And there's always something new to learn, no matter how long you've been in business. And I know running an online business can feel messy. Perfectionism, fear, self-doubt, and other mindset stuff can stop you showing up online in the way that's best for you. So you'll get help with that too. Ready to get courageous with your content? Let's get started. Earlier this week, we had a meeting with my Facebook ads team and they asked a question that made us all laugh. Well, we didn't laugh in the meeting, but we laughed about it afterwards. And the question they asked was, can we see your content plan for the next four to six weeks? Can we see all of the social media posts that you've written and scheduled? Now, the reason that made us laugh is because even though I'm a content expert, even though I have a content planner, I run a content planning event and all sorts of things related to content planning. There is no way that I would have four to six weeks of social media posts written and scheduled. I have a lot of content. I have tons of ideas. I'm very strategic, but that's just not how I work. And actually, I don't think that's the best approach for a launch anyway, as will be revealed in this episode. But it did get me thinking about launch content. And now in the seven or so years I've been doing business online, I have done dozens of launches and I have learned a ton. So what I'm going to share with you in this short solo episode is the key things that I've learned that I hope will help you when you're approaching any kind of launch. And when I'm giving some of the examples in this episode, you might find yourself thinking, well, that's completely different for you, Janet, because you have a multi six figure business and all these people to help you and you're much further along than me. But actually, all of the strategies that I share can be used on any size of launch. It could be used to launch a tiny offer like a PDF download or a mini course or a masterclass. All of these things I'm going to share with you are good strategy and things that I've learned the hard way by getting them wrong. So the first thing that I would recommend when you're planning launch content is to start much earlier than you think you need to. And also actually to start with the bigger picture in your business and the product or service that you want to launch. Where does that fit into the bigger picture in your business? How does it fit in with your other products or services? Now, the reason I share this is because famously at my annual content planning event, I get people to map out their annual content plan. And we don't go into a great amount of detail for the reasons that I'm just going to share with you now. But we do this overhead planning, I call it. And the first thing I usually ask people to do is to look across their year. So for the upcoming event, that will be 2022. And just look at what they've got going on in each quarter. Now, this normally sparks panic in some people because they'll be like, well, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to be selling. I've got no idea what I'm going to be doing in each of those quarters. And what I often say is, if you don't know what you're going to be selling in your business this time next year, you don't really have a business. You're a freelancer. Now, that can be a 
tough message to hear. I know I've certainly got one client, Rachel Spencer, if she's listening to this, then she will smile wryly because it was that message that she heard me talk about in another podcast that made her stop her car (laughs) and come and start working with me. It sounds like a harsh message, but it is so, so important. Now, I'm not saying that you always have to know exactly what you're going to be doing in a year's time. But as I'm recording this episode, I know I am going to be launching a planet again next year and running a virtual event. I've got a couple of other things on my calendar. They are by no means detailed plans. I don't even have them down on specific dates. It might even just be about, I think I'm going to do this in this month. But without that bigger picture, that bigger vision of where your business is going, it's going to be really hard to plan your content and also to work out how far ahead you need to plan for your launches. And if you're going to rock up on January the 1st, 2022, with not really much of an idea of what you're going to be selling when, when you're going to be launching new products or services, then you're always going to be too late. You're always going to be on the hoof. You're always going to be thinking, if only I just had a bit more time. So the key thing is, is to start by looking at that bigger picture. So just to put this into context for you, I sell a content planner. It's a physical product. And it now goes on sale at the end of August or early September. So I had that on my calendar last year. So I'm recording this in October 2021, but I had it on my calendar last October. The launch date was already penciled in as either the last week of August or the first week of September. So work actually started before this point, but I met with the team of contractors I work with regularly in London in June to discuss the cover designs for the diary and to start to get a bit more detailed about the launch plan. We actually decided on that day that we were going to use the last week of August rather than I think it was going to be the third week of August because somebody's holiday dates. But it was already on the calendar. It was just about deciding exactly which day. So what day the cart was going to open and what day the cart was going to close. And that was in June for a launch that was happening end of August, beginning of September. Shortly after that, we started putting out content where we were inviting people to vote on the final cover designs for my planner. We start off with eight and then we we get people to vote and we get it down to the final four. That was helping us build our waitlist. So as they were voting for the planners, people were adding their name to the waitlist. So before we did our pre-launch in August, that week of sales that we did at the end of August, we already had hundreds of people on our waitlist, which is a great place to be. Something else that we also did is we created a very specific lead magnet, which we spent July and August, we spent some time building an extra 2000 contacts through that lead magnet that we created and Facebook ads. And again, none of that could have happened if we weren't thinking strategically and thinking ahead and had things penciled on the calendar. We knew we needed to be doing ads around July, August time to help to attract new leads, to be interested in buying the planner when it went on pre-order at the end of August. So all of that was able to happen because we were thinking a lot further ahead than a lot of people think that you need to do for a launch. And like I say, you might be listening to this thinking, well, you know, I'm not at your stage of business, Janet. I'm not selling hundreds or thousands of a product or service, but these are really good habits to get into now. And I have definitely learned this the hard way. And this year, and I may do an episode on this as a a debrief because there's lots of lessons to be learned. 
a series of events that, that happened over the summer, which included team illness and delays on a couple of key projects like our, our website, just started a kind of domino effect of things feeling a bit stressful. And that's even with that amount of strategic thinking. My biggest takeaway so far is next year, we need to start even earlier. And as a result, I've already got it on my calendar for February next year, that that's when the planner cover designs need to be ready, or certainly the shortlist of eight, because that's when we will need to meet with a creative agency and to do some branding work. Because my biggest takeaway so far, as I say, I may do a debrief episode on this later, is that that's where our problems started. So retrospectively, I realised that we should have started by looking at how all of our products and services link together. We should have worked with a creative agency to do some work on updating our brand style guide and making sure that we had a consistent look and feel across the brand because I changed quite a lot of things in my business. But hindsight is a wonderful thing. And every time you do a launch, you learn. That always happens, regardless of how well planned you are. There's always something that comes up to surprise you and you you learn and then you readjust the next time. But the key takeaway is that you need to be planning a lot further ahead than you think you do. And if you're going at everything with a kind of like, okay, it's April, what should I do this month? You're going to be missing out on sales all the time because as in those examples that I just shared there with, for example, building those 2000 leads for my planner with getting people to vote on the planner covers and building the wait list. They are all activities, and that's just a few that I've mentioned, that are going to increase your sales. If you're constantly showing up at the last minute, throwing things together, yes, you might pull it off and yes, you might get away with it, but it's going to impact on your sales. And that applies whether you're completely new with selling online or whether you've been around for a while. So once you've done that, your next step is to think about the product or service that you're launching. You've thought about the timing. You've thought about how far ahead you need to be doing things like creating wait lists or generating leads for a particular product or service if you're going to do Facebook advertising and when that needs to start. Then it's a case of making a list of all the content that you're going to need to create. Because when we think of launches, we think of sales pages, we think of social media posts, like we don't think of all the more dull stuff really <laughs> that has to happen in order to for you to to sell that product or service and to deliver it that's really important to deliver it and deliver a good service to your customers or clients so first type of content you need to list out is your functional content what kind of things do you absolutely have to have to launch a product or service and i'm not saying that you need all of these things it's just about you making that list so that might be starting off with a list of sales page marketing emails you might need to have a thank you page when somebody buys. You're certainly going to need some kind of follow-up emails. I call them delivery emails when somebody buys. You may need some kind of follow-up or reminder sequence if you're selling a webinar to remind people when it is. So it's just thinking through all of the communications that you're going to need to create. I can promise you there are loads more than you think. And this is just the functional stuff. So this is just the stuff that allows you to actually sell the product or service and to be able to deliver it to the customer in a way that's satisfactory. If you are selling a coaching program, there are often things that you don't think about things like if you're going to be doing discovery calls, you're going to need to create emails to tell people that you've got some openings and, and that people can book a discovery call with you. 
Most coaches tend to use some kind of online booking system like Calendly. So you're going to need to set all of that up. And generally you need copy for that. If you want to be really efficient, and I would recommend that you automate whatever you can, you are going to need to have copy for the reminders that you send people. And if you're doing discovery calls, you're also probably going to need, if you you want to convert on them, you're going to need not a script, but you're going to need some kind of outline for the call. So it's it's an efficient sales call. I would always recommend if you're doing discovery calls that you send some kind of pre-qualifying questionnaire so you're not getting people who are jumping on just looking for a bit bit of free consultancy. So some kind of pre-qualifying questionnaire is going to make sure you're going to get the right people on the call and that you're going to have a productive conversation. You're probably going to want to send them an email to tell them what to expect in the call and maybe a follow-up email afterwards. And I said, this is just functional stuff, just stuff that you need to make things happen. One thing that I always forget about is, uh, or used to <laughs> until recently, was shop products. So, you know, we use WooCommerce and it would always be that thing. It's like, oh, we need a picture for the shop. Now we've got checklists that we go through and for everything that we're doing, pretty much we've, we've got this checklist. But honestly, this will save you so much time just doing it first rather than thinking, oh my gosh, we haven't got this or we haven't got those slides or we haven't got a cover slide for my video or whatever. Just try and get it all down. So that's your functional stuff. That's the stuff that you absolutely need to be able to make the sale and deliver the service. Then we've got, this is my favorite bit, is the creative stuff. So this is your marketing content, which is going to encourage people to buy. Now, I think there's probably an entire episode on this kind of creative launch content. And do email me or tag me on Instagram and let me know if you would like me to record one. I'm at Jan Murray UK. But I generally create three types of content for any launch. And when I said at the beginning that it was funny when my ads team said, have you got all your content plans? I have got tons and tons of content. So what that means is depending on how the launch is going, I can say, do you know what? I think we need a little bit more of this type of content or that type of content. Because when you're on a launch, you've got to be responsive and you've got to be responding to how people are responding to your emails and your social media posts and what's going on in that launch. And then week by week or stage by stage in your launch, you can start to schedule different things depending on on how your launch is going. Now, that part might be confusing, actually. I would never recommend that you have your cart open for your actual sales part for more than a week because people do sort of tend to start to zone out after a while. But as I think you're probably starting to get, there is more to launch than your cart open week. So I've already given you quite a few examples of activities that we've done in order to build up to my open cart week, the gathering leads for the lead magnet, the wait list, the people choosing the planners. So all of that's going to need content. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about the different stages of your launch. I'm not talking about having a car open for months on end. So the three types of content I always create for every launch is problem content, transformation content, and objection content. There's a fourth type, which I'll tell you more about in just a sec, but these are the three main types. So the first type, problem content, is content that addresses the problem that your product or service solves. So when I've worked with clients who are struggling to sell, and in particular online courses or masterclasses or memberships, it's often because they haven't sat down and thought, what problem does my product or service solve? Like, why would somebody want to buy it? And when you don't do that, what you end up doing on your sales page and in your email marketing is you end up describing 
the program. So if it's an online course, you end up telling people about what units are in your course and how many calls they'll have. And actually, rather than making people feel like they want to join your program, it actually makes them feel overwhelmed because what you're telling them is that they've got to invest loads of time. So when you can take that step back and say, okay, what would be the benefits? Like what's the transformation that somebody wants and what's the problems that they've got? So to give you an example with my planner, my planner solves two key problems. If you haven't heard about it, it's an A4 desk diary and it's got key dates and awareness days that you can use to, and content prompts you can use to plan out your content. It's got planning templates for annual, quarterly, monthly, daily, weekly planning. It's not really just a planner, it's a, a content planning system. So there's, there's a few key problems it solves. One, people who are struggling to stick to a consistent plan or they don't know where to start. It's actually this year, it's got a, a content plan in it, a 30-day content plan that you can follow. It also solves the problem of struggling to come up with ideas, feeling stuck and sitting there staring at a blank screen. So really understanding that and understanding the problems that my ideal customers or clients have, and also crucially, the words that they use, like what they say. I really want to create content, but I just don't have time. Like it's always the last thing on my list or I'm, I'm so inconsistent. Like when I do show up, I'm, I'm really good, but I'm just so inconsistent. So it's really understanding what problem your product or service solves, but also how your ideal customers or clients articulate that. That's going to be your first list you're going to make. And unless you understand that, you're not going to be able to make a list of the types of emails you should write or the types of social media posts that you should create. You really need to dig down into that first. The second type is transformation. So this is stories of people, it could be yourself, who have had the outcome that your ideal customers or clients desire. So if you sell a product, it's thinking about what's the transformation that somebody wants as a result of buying that product. So in the case of my planner, generally people want to be transformed from the kind of people who are inconsistent and sporadic with their content to people who show up consistently, publish regular content and actually make sales. That's the transformation that they want. A lot of product-based businesses say to me they don't really understand the transformation that their product gives to people particularly if it's something which can feel like luxury, like jewellery or something like that. But it can be more about wanting to look good to impress people or wanting to appear stylish, buying a certain brand of food or clothing because they want to appear to be environmentally conscious or they want to appear to be somebody who cares about looking after the planet or whatever. It's really about digging deep into the motivations as to why people would buy your product versus somebody else's, which is why you need to do this work before you even start thinking about creating any content, this strategic work. So for that type of content, ideally, you're going to need stories of people who have been transformed by your product or service. So this is a reason why when people come to me and tell me they want to launch an online course or a membership, I say, have you sold that to anybody one-to-one? <laughs> because if you have never delivered that transformation to one person, how are you going to convince loads of people that you can get them the results that they want? So if you're early on, even if you've just done some one-to-one -one work, or even if you've just got a really good result for somebody, you're going to need those stories because all of us are looking for excuses not to buy things. And we're looking for reasons why things are not going to work for us. So if you can provide really great testimonials, stories from people who have had the transformation that other people desire, that's going to provide reassurance. So this again is why you need to be more strategic and allow more time. So for my planner and my event and my creators club, which is launching later in the year, 
I know I'm going to need at least half a dozen really good testimonials that don't just show one transformation. They show the different transformations that people might get and might desire from my product or service is rarely just one. So that takes a bit of time because you've got to sit down and think, okay, well, who do I know has had that transformation? I need to reach out to them and see if they'll agree to do it. And most people do agree to do it, especially when I share with you how I get people to create amazing video testimonials for me. But it takes a bit of time. It takes me nicely onto the next type of content, which is objection content. So your next job is going to be making a list of all the reasons why people wouldn't buy. This is so important and people are so scared of doing it. But whenever I start to sell my planner again or start to sell my planning event, I always go back to that list. What are the reasons people give me that they're not buying? So with my planner, it will be things like, I've tried planners before and they don't work. I bought it last year and I didn't use it. I just don't get on with planners. I don't like A4 planners. I don't like the fact it's spiral bound. I have my own planner that I like. I prefer using a digital planner. So it's about thinking about all of those objections. And if somebody comes back to you and takes the trouble to tell you why they're not buying something without you asking generally, it's because they're kind of interested, but they're trying to find reasons not to buy to tell themselves that your product isn't right. So it's really important to make a list of all of these, including I call them like elephant in the room ones, like I bought your planner last year and I didn't use it. That's a really interesting one. And I have created quite a lot of content around this because people have this perception, I've discovered that if you're buying a planner, then it's only valuable if you write in every page of it or you use it every day, (laughs) every week, every month, every day of the year. And actually, that's not the case. And I've got plenty of examples of clients. In fact, I've got a specific video this year of clients talking about the different ways that they use it. Some people saying I don't write it at all. I use it as a reference. Some people saying I write in bits of it. Some people saying that they used it to plan out a particular launch or that they got one date out of it or one idea that made them loads of money. So it's about thinking about all of those things. And the more you sell something, the more you will get to learn what the objections are. Things like I've tried planners before and I haven't used them. Well, I tried loads of gyms before, before I found a gym that suited me and began to go regularly. Virtual events. So we have some people will say, oh, I don't fancy going to a virtual event. I don't think it's as good as in person. I have an amazing video now from Mel Bridger, who says in her video that actually it's much better going to a virtual event and she saved a load of money on hotels and eating out and and attended the event in her slippers. You know, that kind of content is gold. But in order to create it, to get it in from the person, to edit it, to get it changed if it needs to be changed, that's going to take you a little bit of time to do that kind of thing. And you might be thinking now, oh my gosh, Janet, this sounds so overwhelming. I'm just starting out my business or I'm not doing big launches like you. But there's no point in having testimonials where people just say really bland things like it was really nice to work with Janet. You want powerful testimonials that show the transformation that you've offered. And that does take a little bit more work, but it will result in more sales. And the more time you have in your schedule to gather this content, the better place you'll be. Because The three types of content that I've just shared there, problem, transformation, objection, all of that content can be reused and repurposed. So I use these videos, testimonial videos in my sales emails. I also use them as social media content. I put them in the highlights of our Instagram. So if people have uh, got a question, they can go and have a look in my highlights. I've got a frequently asked questions section. I put them on my sales page. So all of this is actually saving you time in in the long run. But if you only think about it at the last minute, then you're missing out on opportunities because this is the type of content that really makes the difference between people not buying and actually buying. The other type of content is something that 
I've always done, but I've not really added onto my launch plan as such, but I have done this year because my Facebook ads people have suggested it and it is a good suggestion. And that is polarizing content. So whatever you sell, you can pretty much guarantee there'll be somebody out there who sells the same thing or the same type of service. So why would people want to buy from you rather than them? Why would they want your product or your service? So polarizing content, I think is quite powerful because people don't just buy from people. I talked about this in my episode on why people aren't buying from you on Instagram, and I can link to that in the show notes. But people don't just buy a product. They buy into you, they buy into the community, and they buy into your values. So for example, I am very different to some of my competitors in the online space. So a lot of what goes on on in the online space is people boasting about earning six and seven figures and how amazing they are and private jets and nice cars and nice houses and nice handbags. That's really not me. (laughs) I've actually created content about the fact that I live in a small house and why I live in a small house. It's because I would never want to be in the situation where I was tied to doing work that I didn't like in order to meet a certain lifestyle. And it's not just about keeping a roof over your head. It's, you know, having a certain car or staying at certain hotels or whatever. Freedom is so much more important to me than material things. Now, that doesn't resonate with everybody. And there are certain people who I think actually probably don't realise how knowledgeable I am and don't seek me out sometimes for things like coaching on strategy because I'm not boasting about the fact I've got a multiple six-figure business and showing how much money I'm making, but that feels authentic to me. I've talked about the fact that I don't like people posting that kind of content. I sometimes feel that people are being taken advantage of. I sometimes feel that this whole online space and this get online and earn passive income overnight, like it's sometimes feels like a massive scam to me. And I feel like vulnerable people are being taken advantage of. They are desperate, they need money, and they're looking for a way out of whatever their lifestyle is. And then there's these gurus with these planes and um, handbags and fancy holidays and fancy houses. And they're looking at that thinking, oh, I could have that too. Now that's not to say that you can't have that, but there's a lot more involved and it takes a lot more time and a lot more effort. And I've talked about it on other episodes, like your appetite for risk. I talk about that kind of stuff. I've been running Facebook ads recently where I talk about why I don't like content templates. And that's going to annoy some people because they sell content templates, but I think they're wrong. And I think that in some cases, people who sell them are taking advantage of people's lack of knowledge that people get online, they start a business, they start posting on Facebook and they don't understand why their content isn't getting any engagement. And they think that buying templates is going to be some kind of quick fix. I personally think that's that's wrong and I'm happy to say it, but that's polarizing. Some people won't like me because of it. And when you're planning a launch, thinking about polarizing issues, this isn't about making up issues. <laughs> like, you know, saying, what can I say that's really controversial to get people to look at my content? But that's a time when you may want to publish more of that type of content that you're doing all year round anyway, and specifically related to the product that you sell. So I'm going to go off after I've recorded this podcast and record a video, which is about people getting taken in by ads for templates on Facebook. So that's polarizing content. And the last thing I would say is make sure that you have time in your schedule to change course. When you're selling, particularly online, it's quite a volatile space and it's quite changeable. So for example, I'm selling a virtual event this year, which sold extremely well last year. We were in lockdown. No one had 
anywhere to go. So going to a, a virtual event was probably better than sitting at home and staring at the wall. And when I started my campaign this year, I knew that I was very aware of that. And I was aware that I needed to take the temperature. And I think that's the thing when you're on a launch, things don't always go as planned. People might suddenly start coming up with a an objection that you haven't heard before, or there might be something else going on. Maybe you didn't know that someone else was promoting a similar program at the same time, which is not an excuse for your poor sales. But what it might mean is that you need to change something in your approach. You might just find a lot of it is about testing and experimentation. That's something that worked last time isn't working this time around. And you can't just keep hammering out the same content, which is why I haven't got my content plan four to six weeks ahead for a launch. You have to have space in your schedule to change course and to create new content. So I hope that's been useful. I feel like this is a topic I could record many, many episodes on. But I think the key takeaway has to be with launch content, you need to be planning a lot further ahead than you think you do. And you need to be thinking a lot more strategically because if you're not, if you're just thinking about the content rather than how it fits into your business, you will almost certainly be missing out on sales. It's not just about the content. So I hope you found that useful. As ever, I do love hearing from you. So do connect with me. Instagram's usually the best place online. I'm at Jan Murray UK. Would you like to create super engaging content about your business and do it consistently? If so, you need my courageous content planner in your life. It's a gorgeous A4 desk diary that's so simple to use because it's based on my 4x4 strategy, which involves posting four styles of content four days a week. Yes, content planning really can be that easy. There's templates for daily, weekly, monthly and annual planning, so you know exactly what to post, where and when, plus hundreds of ready-to-go content ideas and prompts. So you'll never run out of ideas for social media posts again and accountability trackers to keep you consistent with your posting. The Courageous Content Planner is both practical and pretty, with four gorgeous cover designs to choose from. So if you want to ditch the content overwhelm and you want a simple content plan you can actually stick to, head over to CourageousContentPlanner.com to order your copy today. Thanks for listening to the Courageous Content Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode on social media. That way, more people can benefit from the free tips and strategies I share. And be sure to tag me in when you do. I'm at Jan Murray on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. <laughs>